A few new members to introduce to you. Uh, I saw Adam, so Adam, make your way on up here. I don't know if the Reinhardts are here or not. I think they're second service, typically Warren and Lynette. But this is Adam Matalski. Am I saying it right? Matalski, Matalski. Okay. Either, either way works good for you, huh? And uh, Adam uh, shared his testimony, and uh, what, just in the last uh, six months or so? Yeah, yeah. Has it been eight months? Yeah, yeah. And uh, why am I holding that? You should hold that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, the Lord's done some good things in your life, and we're excited uh, for you. Yeah, the Lord has transformed my life completely. I'm, I'm a different person from what I was two years ago, for sure. Praise the Lord. But, um, yeah. that's, that's the greatest miracle Jesus does these days. Yes, it is. He changes people from the inside out. Yep, I'm engaged to be married, uh, which I never thought I would be. And that's, this is an official announcement. Yeah. Yeah. Getting married. How cool is this? Yeah. <laughs> so. Christina and is the... Christina, uh, yes. yes. Yeah. Hey, Myron, you want to come up and pray for, for uh, Adam? I know that you've known Adam for a long time and uh, pretty cool. And uh, we're excited about what the Lord's doing. He's officially joining. You're going to join me down at the middle doors after this. And everyone will shake your hand and say, welcome aboard. It's going to be good. Okay. Myron. Thanks. Lord, we, uh, we rejoice uh, with the angels in heaven that uh, another one has uh, found the way to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we thank you so much for Adam and how you have transformed his life. And Lord... Uh, Knowing him for several years and the things and struggles that he's been through, Lord, it's uh, nothing short of a miracle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Lord, I'm privileged to be up here beside him. Lord, I ask your blessing upon his upcoming wedding with Christina. Lord, mm-hmm. put your hand on that marriage and bless them. And, Lord, again, we rejoice and thank Adam uh, for uh, making the courage and the standing out for you. Mm-hmm. And, Lord, uh, I ask your blessing upon his life. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Very nice. Welcome aboard. Yeah. We are in church number four today. We started with the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, uh, the, the church that lost its passion for Jesus. Uh, then Smyrna was the church under attack. Uh, literally, they were getting the life squeezed out of them. Pergamum last week, the uh, church that compromised their faith. And today, we're going to be... Uh, the church at Thyatira. You want to say it with me? It's kind of fun. Thyatira. Uh, and literally, this is the church where there's like a, a battle, a war. Jesus Christ versus Jezebel. Jesus Christ versus Jezebel. And we'll uh, see exactly what that's all about. Thyatira is the smallest of the seven cities that Jesus writes to, and yet it's the longest letter of all the seven, which is interesting. Uh, Smallest city, longest letter, uh, reminds us that Jesus is not a respecter of persons. And and listen, he's not a respecter of cities. Uh, And it doesn't really matter what the size of the city, whether you're in a little village of 300 or 3,000 or a city of 30,000 or 300,000 or 3 million. Jesus, Jesus cares about all. Isn't that good? And he's not a respecter of the size of a church, whether there's seven or 70 or 700 or 7,000. 
He's interested. Verse 18, we're going to see in just a bit. Uh, his burning eyes are very aware of what's going on in his church. Uh, he's going to make sure he knows exactly. So let's stand together. We're going to read out loud. This is the longest letter, so it's going to take us a little bit longer. But uh, we're up to it, right? We can handle it, right? Okay. Let's, uh, we'll start reading uh, verse 18. We'll read uh, down through verse 29. Let's all out loud declare God's word together. Here we go. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter, and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Would you join with me? Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
be seated. Seven congregations, the crucified, risen Jesus Christ writes to. Uh, all of them are located in what today's map calls Turkey. Wasn't true back then, but modern-day Turkey along the Aegean Sea. A lot of you have a map of the seven churches in the back of your Bibles. Uh, the Jesus movement was still pretty young here. Second generation, likely John is writing early 90s A.D., okay? So this is about 60 years after the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. 60 years later, now he's writing to these seven churches. Thyatira was a blue-collar town, okay? Thyatira was a working man's town. Uh, It was located between Pergamum and Sardis, okay? Right in the middle is... Thyatira, between Pergamum and Sardis. And if you look, Revelation chapter 2, that's exactly where it's located here in, in the seven letters. It's between Pergamum and Sardis. Interesting. Um, the difference between Pergamum and Sardis uh, and Thyatira, both Pergamum and Sardis had huge natural fortresses. Okay, So invading armies had a hard time overtaking Pergamum and Sardis. Okay? This natural cliff over uh, Pergamum, this natural mountain range surrounded Sardis. It, it was tough to overtake Sardis. Um, but Thyatira, uh, there was nothing standing in the way from an invading army taking over Sardis. Uh, they were literally defenseless. And since they were located at the intersection of two major Roman highways uh, through the centuries, they got overrun time after time after time. Uh, they said the defense for Thyatira when an enemy army is marching in is run, Forrest, run. Get out of here. Uh, that's what was going on here. At the intersection of two major Roman highways, verse 18, to the pastor, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. So right off the bat, Jesus is telling us something. He's telling the church of Thyatira something. He's saying, I just want you to know, I see everything. I'm not missing anything. Anything that's going on there in the church, I'm aware of. And the church is the body, not the building. You understand that, right? I know what's going on in my kids' lives. I miss nothing, and look at the feet, burnished bronze, and I don't move, and I've got strong, unshifting feet. In other words, his truth, his standards, his word doesn't shift or fade with time. His word is true and strong, so he wants that to be known right off the bat. Verse 19, positive encouragement. First thing Jesus says is this, I know your deeds. I'm watching, I'm aware. I'm aware of your love and your faith, your service and your perseverance. And that now you're doing more than you did at first. That's pretty good, isn't it? I I think most of us, we'd like that if that's what Jesus, hey, I've been watching you, church at Walloon, and you're doing really good. You got love and faith and service, and you hang in there when it gets tough, um, and, and you're getting better at it. Nice job. 
So we've got some positive encouragement here. You're, you're doing some really good godly stuff there in Thyatira. But, verse 20, however, nevertheless, there's this one massive, huge problem going on, okay? Now, I need to give you a little background for you to understand. Uh, the folks in Thyatira were the kind of people who weren't afraid to get their hands dirty, right? Can I hear an amen? Some of you like that, right, Jeff? You're all, that's good. They're not afraid to get their hands dirty. They were known for their trades and their trade guilds. Blue-collar, kind of a farming community surrounded them. These were hard-working people. And uh, uh, one archaeologist said they found more evidence of trade guilds in Thyatira than in any other city that he'd excavated. Uh, so that's a lie from a pretty small town. So here's, here's the point. If Grandpa was a bronze worker and Dad was a bronze worker, what were you going to be uh, like Grandpa and Dad? You were going to be what? I'm going to be a bronze worker. And if you were a bronze worker, that meant that you joined the bronze workers' guild. We might call it a union today, okay? The trade guild. And... If you belong to the trade workers, bronze workers guild, then that means you went to their special temple area where you would worship the bronze makers, Greek God. And you would offer sacrifice, because this Greek God took care of you and all the other bronze workers. And he would bless you and he would protect you and he would give you lots of money coming in as a bronze maker. And you said, yes, I like that. And uh, if Grandpa was a cloth dyer, then Dad would be dyer of cloth. Then what would that mean for you? You were going to be a cloth dyer too, and you worshipped at the altar of the God who blessed your cloth dyeing trade. That's how it worked here. Uh, an example of that would be Lydia. Remember in Acts chapter 16, Lydia becomes a follower of Jesus when Paul is preaching and teaching. And under Paul, she was known as a seller of what color? Anybody remember? Purple. She was the purple lady, okay? She was the Barney lady. So anyway, Lydia was from this town, Thyatira. And it was well known. Oh yeah, they're known for their purple cloth. They were known for their pottery, their leather goods, their wool, their baskets, their, their farming. They would come together as a guild, okay? Thyatira was a blue-collar town. Tradesmen belonged to the trade guild, the trade union, which meant you offered sacrifices to your trade god. You, you offered food on the altar to your trade god, and he'll take really good care of you. Now, track with me. You're a follower of Jesus, and now you live in Thyatira, and now you go to the trade guild meeting, Okay? And every week, every week you'd be expected to show up. Let's call it Thursday night. And now you're there at Thursday night, weekly trade meeting. And it starts early and it goes late. And you're going to offer sacrifices to the deity God that watches over you. You're going to participate in the feasts. You are going to drink deeply. And then you're going to get involved in the wild, crazy party that would ensue after you'd done your religious thing unto your pagan idol God that watched over you. One writer said it this way, it was like union meets frat house 
meets Mardi Gras every week. Union meets frat house meets Mardi Gras. Shove them all together. I, I mean, I, I'm trying to keep it PG-13. We're talking slaves and strippers and prostitutes every week. So what are you to do? You love Jesus. You're a follower of Christ. And yet, you know, Grandpa was in this, this trade guild and Dad was, and and now you are too. And if I don't go, they're going to see me as being disloyal and antisocial. And if I don't go after a while, they'll remove me from the guild, and I'll lose my career. So do you see the dilemma here? You're living in Thyatira, and almost everybody belonged to one of these guilds. What am I going to do? I I got a problem. I'm going to lose my career, unless, of course... Maybe here's the solution. I can keep one foot in church, and I'll just keep one foot in the guild, and, and, and I think that will work. One church, one foot in church, I'll, I'll stay with Jesus, but, but I'll, I'll also go to the trade guild meetings as well. Verse 20, here we go. Nevertheless, Jesus says, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, what's her name? She calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality, the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Verse 21, I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. (laughs) Something happening in the church at Thyatira, okay, where a woman of influence seems she was a teacher and she's teaching in a Jezebel-like way. Um, what she's saying is, you know, it's okay to go to the trade meetings. It's okay that you offer some meat. You know they're not really real. It's okay that you guzzle the alcohol. Yeah, you can stay for some of the after-party stuff. That's okay. Um, she was teaching that you don't have to choose between Jesus and your shrine orgies. It's okay. I think Jesus understands. He doesn't want us to starve. It's okay. Keep one foot in church and one foot in that trade guild that grandpa and dad were involved. I mean, this is a long history. Jesus is okay with that. Now, it's very unlikely that her actual name was Jezebel. Um, Because In this day, Jezebel, that name would have had even more notoriety than even today. And I've been asking around. I've never heard anyone who knows someone who named their child Jezebel. Do you? Have you ever heard anybody? The other one is Judas. I've never heard anybody uh, name their child either Judas or Jezebel. There's a reason for that, okay? The point here is this. This woman was behaving just like the Old Testament queen, Jezebel. And uh, when this was written, that was about 800 years before this was written. If you want to go back in your Bibles, you can kind of turn back, and I'm going to reference, but it's in 1 Kings where we first hear about this woman named Jezebel. Um, Here's what you need to know. If you're taking notes, here's the headline. Jezebel, Jezebel did massive damage, massive damage to the reputation of God's chosen people. Well, how was that? Um, 
She was the daughter of the Phoenician king. And they made an alliance with the king of Israel, the north. Uh, His name was Ahab, okay? So when she comes and now she is the queen of Israel, she brings with her her Phoenician god, Baal. And here's what happens after a time. She has so much influence that she kills the prophets of God. 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, She opposes God's man, and it's not very long that now she has used her position to undermine the authority of Jehovah God. Matter of fact, the national religion under Ahab and Jezebel of God's chosen people was the worship of Baal. That's what she did. She was so influential, she so undermined God's word that she used her position to literally compromise and bring disobedience. And now Israel, God's chosen people, they don't look, they don't behave any different than all the other pagan countries. They look just like everybody else. And that's exactly how they were behaving. She hired two scoundrels to give false testimony about Naboth and had him murdered so she could steal his vineyard because her husband was pouting because he really liked that vineyard. Think about it. She, she hires two scoundrels to lie and then steals the vineyard. Here, honey, here's that vineyard you really like. She undermined God's authority, God's reputation everywhere she went. Okay, now... If you have your Bible, uh, then God goes to work. He says, you know what? You're going to be that flagrant. You're going to be that evil, uh, Jezebel. The Lord says, okay, I'm going to raise up my guy. And in 1 Kings 17, 1, he raises up the guy named, what's his spokesman's name? Anybody remember? Elijah. Elijah. And the first thing he says is, it's not going to rain for three years. Is that going to be a problem for Israel? Well, we're going to starve. Yeah, that's going to be a real problem. And then uh, we're going to do a little Baal versus Jehovah God contest. And that's one of my very favorite passages. You might want to read that this next week. That's uh, 1 Kings eighteen sixteen to 46. Remember? And the conclusion is the Lord whoops Baal's hide. Baal's prophets are killed. Uh, eventually, Ahab is killed in battle. Um, And then after he's killed in 2 Kings 9, the next king rides into town. And this is kind of interesting. Jezebel's up in the the top floor, and she's getting beautiful. She's got her curling iron out. She's got her fake uh, eyelashes on. She's putting on the mascara. She's really dialing it all up. And Jehu calls up to her, Yoo-hoo! Jehu! Hollers up to Jezebel, Um... Um, is that you up there? And then she hollers down, is this the man who killed my, my husband Ahab? Uh, and then Jehu says, uh, hey, servants, whose side are you on? You on her side or my side? Now think, he's coming back with the winning army here, and now he hollers up, whose side are you? And you know what they do? They toss her out the window, and, and then she goes down, and then guess what happens at the bottom? Splat. It's, it's really, it's pretty gruesome. It really is. And, and then if that's not gruesome enough, uh, if you've got a weak stomach, shut your ears for a minute, and then the neighborhood dogs devour her body. And then 2 Kings 10, 
uh, Ahab's sons and grandsons, Jezebel's sons and grandsons are wiped away. The lineage is wiped clean. Well, wow. (laughs) That's a crazy story. You know what? The Lord wanted his people back. Uh, He's going to take drastic action is the point here. Uh, incredible compromise with God's chosen people. And he says, I want my people's heart to belong to me. And when they wander and they've been influenced by this woman, um, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my people back. That's the point back there in First and Second Kings. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter 2. And I want to show you how this applies to the church at Thyatira. Revelation chapter 2. The Jezebel-like teacher there is saying, remember, it's okay to do the Jesus church Bible thing, but you can keep on doing that shrine, party, feast, drunken immorality, trade guilds thing too. Okay, That's what's going on here. And the problem is the church at Thyatira was supposed to be reflecting the glory, the reality of Jesus in a dark and messed up city. Does that make sense? Their job, church of Thyatira, your job, you represent me. And when the people see you, they're seeing me. They're seeing hope. They're seeing love. They're seeing joy in action. And that's your job is to reflect me in this really dark city. But this woman was messing it up big time. And the light wasn't reflecting so good. Um, If this woman was here at Walloon Lake Church, uh, I think she would be a member. She would be attending services every Sunday. She'd be in a small group. She's probably like the lead teacher of the ladies' Bible study, okay? Uh, She's well-known. She's well-liked. She's influential. She's eloquent. She's gifted. She has some charisma. And she was speaking for Christ in his church. (laughs) And here's the problem. Look at verse 20. And the more she spoke, the more people bought her lies. They they were buying into it. And they were adopting her her sinful advice, her sinful teaching. Yeah, it's okay. You can live just like everybody else, but you can also love Jesus and have all the benefits. And their mission was evaporating. And their testimony was in the toilet. (laughs) And their light was beginning to dim and slowly go out in this city. And here's what Jesus says. Look at verse 21. Uh, I think he cleared his his throat. Excuse me, church at Thyatira, uh, leaders, but I've given her time, this Jezebel-like lady, to repent of her immorality. I want to just stop for just a moment. Do you think Jesus showed up personally like in the flesh? Do, do you think maybe she, she heard from Jesus in a dream? It says, but she's unwilling. C- can I suggest to, to you how she heard? She heard from Jesus through his church. <laughs> Are you tracking? In other words, uh, the church has already spoken up, and Jesus says, you know what? I've given her time to repent, to do the U-turn. She's not willing Verse 22, so there's going to be some judgment. It's going to be hard, just like back in the Old Testament. I'm going to cast her on a bed of suffering. 
And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they do what? If they'll repent, the judgment goes away. It seems that the leadership of the church has already confronted her. Hey, what you're teaching is wrong. It's Jezebel-like. You're, you're behaving like Je- your teaching doesn't line up with God's word. You're, you're, you're undermining God's word. Um, and now they've given her time. Okay, now we've challenged you, and now we're going to give you some time, but you need to repent. Now Jesus writes, look at verse 21, uh, enough time. You've been dragging your feet, leaders, in Thyatira at the church, and you've not been wanting to take the next step, but I'm telling you, he says, now it's time to take the next step. She's refusing to repent, and I've been plenty patient. Now I'm about to take some drastic action, just like he did in 1 Kings and 2 Kings with Jezebel and Ahab, okay? Here's the point. Give me your eyes. Jesus is saying, my church is not supposed to be like everybody else. My followers are not supposed to behave just like everybody else around us. My church is supposed to be a place of hope. My church is a place of holiness and light and life in a world of chaos and evil and darkness and sin. And I want you to know, when you're following her, you're threatening to implode the mission of my church. My my light that's supposed to be reflected bright there in Thyatira, it's going out. You aren't acting. Um, And here's what he says. Look at verse 22. This is kind of interesting. These people who have been partying on their party beds, what's their party bed about to become? Verse 22. It's going to become a sick bed. Okay? You you thought you had it it by the tail because you had one foot and one foot, and man, this is great. No, no, your party bed's about to become a sick bed. Verse 23, and all the children, not talking biological children, not just talking about her, her children by a lot. He's talking about those who, who have bought into her teaching. I, I like your philosophy, Jez. I really like what you're saying. Those who've bought in, he says, uh, I'm about to move and take action against them. And it's going to protect my reputation. Um, Jesus is a God of discipline. And we don't always like that side, do we? And, and, and I know it's so much more fun. I enjoy teaching about love and grace and patience and, and, and the rich blessings and benefits of Jesus Christ. Don't you like to hear about that? But this is the other side. And here's what he's saying. I will distribute pain if that's what it takes to get your attention, church. I, I will get your attention one way or the other to restore the mission to my church. Because this is not my church. It's not your church. Who does this church belong to? Well, it belongs to Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you know what? I'm fully in charge here. And if you don't wake up and heed my warning, it's going to be bad. Jesus says, I didn't give my life to redeem my people on the cross so they could just behave like everybody else. Think with me now. Jesus said, I came and took your place on the cross, and now you think it's okay just to live however you want? Really? And it's strong. 1 John 2.15, 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. That's pretty strong too, isn't it? This woman is teaching that it's okay to enjoy the sin of this world and then come to Jesus and sing and worship and usher and serve and then go off to your gilding meeting and that's perfectly fine. Look what he says, verse 24. This is an interesting way to word this. He says, This way of thinking is the deep secrets of Satan. That's Satan's reasoning, okay? Uh, Yeah, you can know Jesus, but just keep doing all the other garbage, right? God's grace, God's benefits, God's love, God's goodness, it's wonderful. And then you can go home this afternoon and binge on porn, and it's no big deal. And Jesus says, no, it's a big deal. It's a real big deal. Uh, For those of you who have not followed Jezebel's lives, let's go back. What does it say? Um, I'm not going to impose anything other than the burden on you that you've already received. What's, What's the burden that they've already received? Quit tolerating this woman who's teaching lies and being Jezebel like in your church. I don't have any other instruction, church at Thyatira other than what I've already given to you. And here's what he says. It's time now to finish what you've started. You've already been to her, one-on-one it seems. Excuse me, Jez, but you're sinning. What you're teaching doesn't line up with the book. It's wrong. It's clear-cut. You're promoting sin, worshiping idols, sexual immorality. That's not acceptable. He says, look at it, Finish what I've already told you. No other burdens other than what you've already been given. Finish the discipline process, is what he's saying, okay? Now, Peter, track with me. You've already been to her. You've, you've one-on-one. Seems that maybe they've already taken witnesses. But now he's saying, now finish. Now, Matthew 18, 15 to 18, write that down. This is the process for, for them and for us. Um, now it's time to take her to the church and expose her for what she is. She's a false prophet. She's promoting sin. And if she stays, she will infect the entire church with her deadly virus. Okay? Uh, You need to put her out. She needs to be in quarantine until she will repent of her sin. That's strong. That's harsh. That's drastic, but that's how much Jesus cares about his reputation. That's how much Jesus cares about his church. Um, And what he's saying here is, I love you enough to speak strong, harsh, blunt words to you. I care that much. I love you enough not to allow you to continue in this wickedness. And church... Get Thyatira, those of you who aren't buying in, I love you enough to tell you now it's time to get going. Finish the process. You started it, now you need to finish. Here's how I view it. Give me your eyes for a second. If I go brain dead for a week or a month and I swim out into sinful stupidity, here's what I know. Some of you will love me enough to come and get up in my grill, won't you? And you'll get up in my grill and you'll tell me just the way it is. I know some of you will. And and you will say, excuse me, but what in the world is going on? 
And what you're doing is not acceptable, and it's sin, and you need to repent. Can I tell you, that's love. That, it's harsh, it's blunt, (laughs) and maybe I don't want to hear it, but I'm telling you, that's real, that's a real friend who will speak hard truth to you. And that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, we have a duty here at Walloon Lake, an obligation, a responsibility, if we see someone around us, to lovingly confront them with what God's Word clearly calls sin. I'm not talking disputable matters. When it clearly is sin, it's wrong for us to keep in neutral and ignore and excuse and tolerate sin. And that's what was going on here in the church at Thyatira. They were, oh, it's not that bad. Uh, I, I, I think she'll quit teaching after a bit. Um, maybe if I ignore it long enough, well, what's the thinking, man? Tell me. It might what? It might go away. Yeah, just, just ignore it. I, I think it might go away. Yeah. Jesus should not have had to write this letter to them. They should have already dealt with this clear. They had already started it. But they've already, they should have already been through the discipline process. Um, but, oh, we're being peaceful and we're being really patient here. And he says, that's enough patience. Now it's time to act because she's continuing to affect more and more and more in the church. Jezebel's sin is catchy. <laughs> now the pagans in Thyatira were confused. The, the message in their minds, well, it must not really be a big deal what we're doing here in the trade guilds because uh, they're joining us, created confusion amongst the church members in Thyatira, and worst, give me your eyes, their light started to go out. Their, their light was dimming, and there was no more hope, no more light, not any Jesus reflecting any longer there in Thyatira. So, what's the message for us, 2014? Some of you have already connected some dots. What are some of the implications for the church today? I'm going to give you four quickly. Um, But uh, number one, first, uh, Jesus paid the ultimate price for his church. This is his church, and he sees everything. He knows everything going on, and he's not into playing games. Balcony, he's not into just messing around. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I'm involved in. No, it matters a lot if you're a follower of Jesus. And somehow we've got it in our head that it's okay. I I can just kind of on the fringes goof off. No, Jesus says, I love you enough that I'm going to speak strong, blunt, harsh words to you. And if that doesn't get your attention, give me your eyes. Jesus says, I will take strong, blunt, drastic action to get your attention. He will. (laughs) Ouch. Second, have we become like everybody else? Is it possible that we in the church aren't much different than the people around us who claim to be agnostics or atheists? Um, do we go in debt and overspend just like everybody else around us? Do we take offense and hold grudges just like our unchurched neighbors? 
Are we grumpy and grouchy at work, at school, in the neighborhood, just like our unsaved neighbors and co-workers? Um, do we shade the truth to get ahead or to get good grades, just like the people who don't claim Jesus in their life? Jesus says, you know what? You are to be salt and light for me. You're supposed to be reflecting the reality of Jesus Christ in a really dark world. Does this messed up world see life and hope in your life? Third, are there some here today who've been tolerating sin? I'm just going to look around, try to hit every eye. Perhaps the ones whose sin you've been tolerating is the person in the mirror. And maybe you've been excusing and ah, uh, everyone else is struggling with this too. It's really no big deal. No, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. Maybe you've been ignoring a continuing pattern of sin in your spouse's life. They claim to be a follower of Jesus, but you know what's going on. That's sin. Eh, I don't want to make waves. Maybe you've been excusing the sin in your child's life. Oh, they're young. They'll grow out of it. Will they? Is there someone in your life that you need to love enough that you'll get up in their grill and have a hard conversation? Fourth, finally, there's some uh, encouraging news here. Isn't that good? You can say amen. Amen. This has been hard. <laughs> Get off my toes, Pastor Jeff. Well, there's two rewards that are promised, and I just want to close with those. Uh, slide down to verse 26. Um, first, there's a promise that uh, if you'll hold tight to Jesus, persevere, hang in there, be a light, here's the promise, that you'll get to rule with Christ. That you, you, When Jesus is ruling and reigning, Revelation 21 and 22, guess who's going to get to rule and reign with Jesus? And, and, and that's all those who, who hang tough and persevere with him. Isn't that good news? Um, so really what he's kind of saying is there's two teams. There's Jezebel and Satan's team, and then there's Jesus' team. And what he's saying here, verses 26 and 27, you really want to be on Jesus' team. Because <laughs> I, I, I promise you, I've read the end of the book, and I know who wins. Do you not? So why would you not choose to align your life, your thinking, your behavior with the winning team? But, but you can choose. You can choose light and life, or you can choose death and consequences. Second reward, second promise, verse 28. This is kind of fun. Um, he says, verse 28, um, you're supposed to reflect Jesus to a lost and dying world, right? That's our job. Here, Walloon Lake Church, our duty, everywhere we go, reflect, make Jesus, the reality of Jesus, be real and alive to a lost and dying world. But then, look what he says. I'm going to give you the morning star. And if you go to Revelation 22.16, you can turn there if you've got your Bible. 22.16, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. 
I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright, what does he say? I am the... So this is kind of cool. Think about it with me. Right now, we're supposed to reflect Jesus, but there's coming a day, and I don't think it's too far off, y'all, where the morning star is going to light up the world. And we get to be right there with him, okay? So he's saying, hold on. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but hang in there because the morning star is going to... That's going to be our day, right? That's going to be our day coming. So until that day comes, keep shining, keep reflecting the reality of Jesus. That's our duty. That's our mission. Let nothing implode our mission. Let nothing put out our light. That's the challenge of Jesus. Bow your head, shut your eyes as we close. Lord, uh, help us to be reflectors of your love. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us the courage to contend and love each other enough that when we see continued sin in our brothers and sisters, we'll love them enough not to keep quiet and hope it goes away. Lord, would you show us any places where we've been ignoring and tolerating sin? Lord, my prayer is that uh, even though today we've heard strong, harsh, blunt, drastic words, Lord, may they be an encouragement to us. May they motivate us to action. May we not just remain in our sin, Lord, but may we be motivated to live strong daily for you. Lord, I pray that the, the mission of Walloon Church would be to represent you well in this coming week. So help us to do that. We need your power. We need your spirit. Help us to line our lives up with your word in order to be able to do that. We love you, and it's good to be your children, and it's good even to know the strong side of your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray all of these things. Amen. Adam, come join me at the door. Uh, the Lord bless you. You all are dismissed. Please uh, greet a neighbor or two before you head out.